Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast. I want to do a quick cold open to tell you about our guest today, David Elliott. We talked about David on last week's podcast after he set a new Guinness World Record for completing a half marathon while wearing 120 t-shirts. We realized as we discussed him last week that we had a lot of questions about how he was actually able to pull this off. So we reached out to him and David graciously agreed to come on to the podcast to talk about the training for this particular event and of course the execution of his world record. David lives in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Uh, he connected with us from there, um, and he told us all about what it was like to complete his local half marathon, the hypothermic half marathon, uh, with 120 t-shirts on. Now, one quick point of clarification before we actually uh, hit play on the interview here. He actually did a hypothermic half marathon last year in 2022 while wearing 90 t-shirts. Uh, as you'll hear him say, he saw this record and decided it was a record he wanted to go after, and he identified the 2022 hypothermic half marathon in his hometown in Edmonton as his target race for this. However, while the Guinness Book of World Records was ratifying his record, someone else came along and actually ran one wearing more than 100 t-shirts. Um, and that person, in turn, had their record ratified really quickly. And so even though David had broken the record, he was never recognized by Guinness as the holder of the world record. And that inspired him to try and break the record again here in 2023, which he did. As you'll hear him say, it has now been ratified, and he is indeed the Guinness World Record holder for completing a half marathon with the most t-shirts. Big thanks to David for coming on to the podcast, and I think you'll enjoy all that he has to say. Let's get to it. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by High Echelon. You can find them at highechelonCPA.com. High Echelon PC is a nationwide CPA firm in Atlanta focused on a great client experience. High Echelon provides top quality work with total transparency so clients always know exactly what they're getting. They believe accounting doesn't need to be complicated and that clients should always get the experience they deserve, which includes top-notch accounting, tax and payroll services, timely communication, complete data flow, and the best automation and security. Book a call or drop them a line at their website, highecheloncpa.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Elemental Altitude Training Center. You can find them at elementalaltitude.com. Elemental Altitude is Atlanta's best and only altitude training facility. At Elemental Altitude's state-of-the-art indoor training center, they are capable of simulating elevation up to 24,000 feet. Training in the thinner air and lack of oxygen prompts an increase in red blood cells, meaning that more oxygen can be delivered to your working muscles on race day. Athletes undertaking all sorts of goals from rugged mountain climbs to flat sea level marathons to Ironman triathlons train in the hypoxic environment created at Elemental Altitude. I trained there several times myself ahead of my successful race at the London Marathon in 2022. In addition, Elemental Altitude hosts a variety of physiological testing, such as sweat testing, blood lactate testing, VO2 max testing, and a variety of metabolic testing, which can tell you your resting metabolic rate and the types and amounts of fuel you're burning at different training and racing intensities. 
Drop them a line at info at elementalaltitude.com if you have questions or you want to set up an appointment. Again, their website is elementalaltitude.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. You can find them at bluepineappletravel.com. Blue Pineapple Travel is an agency of experienced travel advisors who help you design the perfect trip. Blue Pineapple Travel advisors are all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. They love to help people plan their travel, whether it's for a race, a family trip, a weekend getaway, or the trip of a lifetime. Their goal is to match you with the trip that you want. Relaxation or adventure, traveling solo or with a group inside the U.S. or abroad, Blue Pineapple Travel can plan exactly the trip that you want. Find them online at bluepineappletravel.com and see some of the great places that folks who have worked with Blue Pineapple Travel go on their Instagram, at bluepineappletravel. Finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance's mission is to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust the training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you to chat about your goals and to find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. Thanks to all of our sponsors who help us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast, brought to you by High Echelon, Blue Pineapple Travel, ITL Coaching Performance, and Elemental Altitude. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a father of twin boys, and I'm a college professor. My name is Michelle Frank. I'm also an endurance athlete in Atlanta, Georgia. A mom to three girls. I'm a CPA, and I'm podcasting from Vail, Colorado. So fingers <laughs> crossed that my my audio holds. Um, so. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> Definitely want it to hold. And the reason why you're excited to be here is because we have a guest this week that I am very excited to, to talk to here. Uh, Guinness World Record holder, David Elliott. Welcome to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Thank you to both of you for having me. It's uh, pretty exciting to to be here with you. So, David, we talked about what you did on our last podcast, and and I reached out to you because I realized that the more we talked about it, the more questions we had about what you were able to accomplish. So you set the Guinness record for completing a half marathon while wearing the most shirts. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> so very cool. I guess the, the first question is, is how did you come to this record? Why this particular record? How is this one you chose? There's 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 two reasons why. Um, the first one, like I, I'm a shift worker. Um, I had some had some downtime at two o'clock in the morning, and I was just searching around to see what what Guinness had in in terms of records for runners, and came across this record. And the first thing that caught my eye was the picture of the current record holder and <laughs> how he and how he looked. And he just he, he was huge. He looked ridiculous. Like it just looked really really amusing. These skinny legs coming off this big body. So I started looking into it more and. Um, as, as I looked at it, I was like, I could do this. Like at the time the record was 76 mm -hmm. and I was like, well, I can do this. Like that doesn't sound that bad. 
Uh, so I was, and a, a lot of the other run records that I was looking at, all the costume records, you've got people running in like running half marathons in like an hour and 15 minutes, an hour and 20 minutes. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm pretty quick, but that's, that's on another level, especially when you're dressed up like Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it's, it, it was just like a ridiculous, crazy thing looked really funny, but it was also attainable in, in my eyes, which, which is important because you want to set goals that you can achieve. Did you immediately say, all right, this is something I'm going to do? Or did you like think about it for a while and like talk to the people in your life and stuff like that? No, I pretty much just was like, yeah, this I'm going to, I'm going to apply for this one. All right. Cool. Very good. Very good. And then you have to get the record ratified and we're going to talk about the various things. Did you, do you now have the record ratified? So are you, are, are you truly officially the Guinness record holder now? And we could find you on the website. You can find me on the website. I am very official. Um, Guinness has put together a YouTube page on it. They've put together a TikTok on it. And uh, hopefully in the next day or two, I'm going to be getting my certificate in the mail. It's coming from England, so it takes a little bit of time to get to Western Canada, but it's it's mine. It was a very exciting email to read at 3.30 in the morning when the, when it got sent in. Awesome. Very cool. So. I want to talk a little bit about your background in running, but can you just describe to us how the ratification process works? Like, did you contact Guinness and tell them that you were going to go after this record and then they followed you and just verified your results and then they granted you the record or how did the ratification process work? So the whole process is actually really in depth. So you the way it works is you find a record on, on the Guinness website and you say, yes, I want to do this. So you have to apply to Guinness to attempt to break the record. Um, you just kind of say who you are, why you want to do it, what the record is, some details of your attempt or event. Um, and that process of approval can take up to 12 weeks on, on the Guinness side of things. So you can't complete your event until you've received approval from Guinness um, to attempt it. So once you receive that approval, you do your event, and then you have to fill out each, each different record has different rules of what they require for evidence. So for, for my record, um, there's quite a few things. I needed to have two witness statements from people that were with me. I needed information from the race director. Uh, it, I needed an insurance certificate from the race director, the website for the race, website for the results. I needed photographic and video evidence from the attempt I needed to prove that the shirts were commercially available hmm. so, so oh, that wow. anybody can buy them. Like you're not specially making some super skinny, thin shirt. Um, and then I had to have a video of the entire, uh, of the start process and of also the taking everything off and the official count at the end of the race. Because if you if you start the race in a hundred shirts and, but you finish in 95, you only get counted at your finish line level. So, and then, yeah. And then I also sent along my Strava splits, a picture of my Garmin that had my splits on it, just like sending them more information than they actually required. There wasn't even any questions asked. So now once you submit your evidence, it can take up to 12 weeks for them to approve your evidence. 
mm-hmm. and, and to look through it, uh, which is the problem that I ran into last year and why I did not receive the record officially last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this year, what I did is I actually had a GoFundMe that I started uh, to raise to raise the funds to expedite my evidence approval. And it was done in two days. Cool. I was going to say, it's, it's been a lot less than 12 weeks. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. two days from when I submitted for them to to approve it. Now, that's incredible. They, they charge you for it. You can expedite your application approval, and you can also expedite your evidence approval. And it's about, I think it was 600 US mm-hmm. to, to have that process done quickly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... So, because the reason why you expedited this time, the reason why you raised money to do it is because last time, last year, you set the record and then somebody beat the record and expedited it. So they got credit for it before your name was ever able to go up on the website. Is that right? That's take correct. Us through, yeah. take, take us through that. Like, what was what was that like and how'd that feel? <laughs> it sucked. Like, <laughs> you know, it was it wasn't easy doing the attempt. Um I had some technical errors with my with my video of the event, um, so it took me a little bit. Took me a couple of weeks to get everything sorted out and sent to Guinness, and then, you know, you're just sitting waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and checking the website to see if something's happened, and then all of a sudden you see that the new rec that the current record is 111, mm. and they're like, I didn't do that. <laughs> that that name is not my name <laughs> that's right it, well, it was my name it mm-hmm. was his name was david rush so we had the first name but okay wrong wrong country and wrong last name and i yeah i know i didn't do 111 so i was like oh man this is okay. this so so i was about three weeks away from getting it approved last year when, and so, when, so, and so, at that point, did you then say, kind of similar to what I asked before, did you then say, okay, I'm going to do it again, but now I'm going to do it with more than I did yeah. before? And so, did you yeah. immediately say, okay, I'm, I'm, I still have the goal to get this record, even though it's going to look a little bit different than I originally thought it was going to look? Yeah, basically, I was like, yeah, it's, I'm doing the same. I got the race in February. I had a pretty busy race schedule last in 2022, mm-hmm. so I was like, yeah, February 2023, it's on the race schedule. So. I knew that was coming up. Very good. Very good. Pretty cool. Um, so it's one thing to just go out and run a half marathon. You obviously have to have some, you know, history or hopefully training, running background. Uh, it's a whole other to go out and, and do what you did. But can you tell us a little bit about, you know, how you got into running and what your running background is and kind of what were what, what did racing look like for you before you went on this Guinness World Record attempt? Yeah, I've been I've been active since I was five years old playing baseball and soccer at home. Um, I did my first cross country races, I think, when I was in grade four uh, with my elementary school and just like really athletic all like growing up, uh, soccer, baseball, football in high school uh, and that kind of thing. I ran cross country in college for a couple of years and then I got into triathlon. And did triathlon for 10 years. Uh, was a part of the Team Canada age group national team for four different events, racing at world championships around the world. Wow. Um, I've done a handful of half Ironmans. I've done two full Ironmans. And kind of did what I wanted to with, with triathlon and was 
was really satisfied and happy when I decided that I was done with triathlon. I was, I, I'd, I'd reached a lot of goals that I'd set for myself and was happy walking away. And then, you know, I'm a very goal-oriented person. I needed something, needed something new. And I eventually was like, why not run Boston? Mm-hmm. Like, how do I get to Boston? And so I looked, looked at what that process looked like, started, you know, I kind of kept myself in pretty good shape all the time. Um, I'd never run a marathon before other than the two Ironman races. Um, so trained myself through the winter and went into my first marathon and ran a 350 marathon when I needed a 305 to qualify <laughs> and just, just completely blew up on my second half um, and went searching for a coach because I was doing all this on my own. Didn't really know what I was doing. I had sure. another six or I had another race three months after that, May, May to August, whatever that timeline is. Um, found a coach and had he set out great programs for me and it was about 18 months later that I was in California for a qualifying race and ran a 2:59 to to qualify for Boston. So that's ran, awesome. Yeah, that was 2016. That was I I won't forget that race. And it's a, that, a lot different from a, a marathon at the end of an Ironman. <laughs> yeah, very different. Yeah, very different. So I raced raced Boston in 2018 in the monsoon year. Mm. Which was, oh, yeah. <laughs> which you know, it you know, training through the winter in in northern Canada is not too similar to, uh, or it was pretty similar to what we had in Boston <laughs> for that day. So <laughs> there there were a lot of people walking off the course from California and Arizona, and I was just just out there enjoying it like it was. <laughs> you felt, you felt right at home. Training, <laughs> training, but yeah, like Boston, Boston was awesome. It was so much fun, even in the rain. And people kept telling me, you know, you've got to come back. This wasn't really Boston. Like, but I thought about it and I was like, you could you could go to Boston five, ten years and never have a good weather day. Mm-hmm. You know, April, sure. April in the northeast, who knows what you're gonna get. But that race was historical. Mm-hmm. And that you know, I have that memory of it. And that memory of 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 running Boston in the race, and you know, I was happy about that. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. It's yeah, it's incredible. I feel like the only other good story I've heard from 2018 is is Des and all of her yeah. victory <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Everyone remember, else had a miserable time. I was on course, and there was a couple of Americans close to me, and someone told them that Desi had won, and they just started losing their minds. <laughs> and when, when Sounds about talked, right. It was pretty cool. Yeah. And then, cool. and then the pandemic hit. Yeah. I was supposed to run. I was supposed to run Chicago in 2020. Uh, that got bumped and deferred, and not a lot of racing happened. Um, I spent a lot of time trail running and getting you know, getting off the road and doing, doing lots of trail running. And in the last four, four years or so since, since and around Boston, um, I've done two 50 mile trail runs, um, lots of relays with, with friends and just kind of discovered a whole new world of running in my city that I didn't even existed until some of these, you know, until you meet new people and they take you on this amazing single track that's 10 feet away from the trails and the, the paths that I've been running for 10 years. That I didn't even know were there. Very cool. That's awesome. Very yeah. cool. So Very I took cool. my Chicago deferral, 
uh, ran it in October, um, had an amazing time. Chicago was just, I don't know, it was a perfect day. Mm-hmm. The The weather was perfect. The crowds were unreal and so amazing. I couldn't believe, like I've heard about Chicago crowds before, but until you're in it and like there's no empty space. Yeah. There's always yeah. people. And that's like, I compared that with Boston. Like in Boston, you know, you're running through multiple towns and the towns come out to party and they have a great time. But there's, there's a lot of quiet time in Boston, running Boston when you're running in between the towns on the highway with, you know, 10 other runners around you with nobody cheering. Chicago was, there was never more than five feet that was somebody there cheering the whole, the whole way. And every neighborhood had their own vibe and their own party. And like, it was Boston or Chicago was, Chicago was great. Very good. David, you need to put a, you need to put London on your list now because London is like that as well. Um, there is there is no spot on the course that is not covered in fans who are who are vehemently cheering. So yeah. so uh, if that's what you're looking for, and you like the big city marathons like I do, then 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 that needs to be the next one. Um, yeah, well, I missed out on the lottery this year, so okay, that didn't happen. I've got my name into New York uh, mm-hmm. for this Great year, and if I don't get the lottery for this year, I'm going to do a charity, and I'm planning to run New York no matter what this year. So. Very I've heard cool. it's very comparable to Chicago, so I'm looking forward. It is. To, it is looking forward to New York this year. Very good. Very good. Very good. And so, so, so you've clearly done a lot of training, and and I appreciate the fact that you've done like lots of different types of training. You've done triathlon training, so you've swam a lot and you've you've biked a lot, um, all that sort of thing. You've done trail running. You've done ultras. You've done relays. Did you have to do any specific training, or did you do any specific training for the challenges that you were going to face? For this record attempt, so I do t-shirt training, mm-hmm. similar similar <laughs> to a run <laughs> similar to a run program. You know, you're doing progression with your distance as you're going through your marathon or half marathon program. Mm-hmm. It's the exact same thing for the t-shirts. Okay, um, I had you know I was in really good shape following Chicago in the middle of October. Uh, took a few weeks off, and then once November started, I was t-shirt training. And mm-hmm. I started, I don't even remember what number I started at, maybe 40, 40 or 50 shirts. And then every two weeks I would add 15. So that I, I, so that when I got to the beginning of February, I was around that 100, 100 to 110 mark. Um, Cause it's, it, it does take some getting used to just like, you know, running your first 10 miles or 18 miles or whatever your distance is that you're increasing. It's the same, okay. the same, the same idea. But t-shirt training, you didn't have to hire a coach for that. That was like, <laughs> you derived what t-shirt training was for yourself, I assume. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's so you, the same, thing, same thing I did last year. Um, okay. And then I would, I would get in now, not all of my runs were t-shirt runs. That's what I was going to ask. So, so you do like certain runs were t-shirt runs. Yeah. And I'm not really following a, a program. Like I'm just going out for runs with friends or runs on my own. And, you know, in a two week period, if I run five times, maybe, maybe three of those runs are t-shirt runs. Mm-hmm. And then my non t-shirt runs are kind of my recovery days. Mm-hmm. Did so- you have any friends who, who either wanted to run with you on your t-shirt days or didn't want to run with you on your t-shirt days because you're wearing all those shirts? <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining your friends being like, Hey man, if you're going to wear 50 t-shirts, you got to run by yourself. <laughs> my, 
my trail family is is amazing and they're so supportive and we cool. have certain days that we run together um just on a regular basis so if that was a t-shirt day then it was a t-shirt day mm-hmm. and they're the types that they'll just sit there and laugh at me the whole time right. and they actually don't mind uh me running in shirts because it slows me down a little bit mm-hmm. and keeps me keeps me with the group sometimes but awesome I also rely on them as it got into January because I couldn't physically get myself dressed. Mm-hmm. I had to get them to help me get my get get the shirts on and get the layers on and mm-hmm. at the end of the run get them off. Mm-hmm. So on that note, I want to know um, just for our listeners, you know, essentially you wore 30% more t-shirts the second time the the record that is ratified now has 120 shirts. So was there a big difference or a noticeable difference for you going from the first time that you did it with 90 shirts to the most recent time when you did it with 120 shirts? Not a, not a noticeable difference. I had the logistics were a little bit harder this time because you can only fit. So I went from medium to three XL <laughs> and then I had, and then I had like three or four, four XL shirts as like my outer layers, but the primary was, was medium to, to three X. So when you think about shirts, like you can only fit so many larges on top of one another right. before you have to go up. So I was trying to, the logistics with 120 was a little bit harder because I had to think about, okay, how many, of, how do I need 24, or 25 of each layer to, to make it actually work? And do I need to go up? A size do i need 24 xls and where do i get those shirts from and things like that so there was a little bit more logistic work um in terms of how many of each shirt can i wear can i can i physically wear uh of each size so that, that was one thing that that when we talked about it last week i was wondering and i kind of joked about it but now i'm wondering it for real um because you we saw that we saw the 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 video of you taking off all of the shirts right um and and it was a long process for you to take off all of those shirts for sure um and then 16, 16 minutes yeah it's 16 minutes to take off all of those shirts and and we we noticed of course the shirts like you said changing in size as they're getting you know they're getting you're getting smaller and smaller and the shirts are getting smaller and smaller and smaller did did you have to like experiment on your shirt runs to see exactly how many you could get were you were you ever like okay today i ran with with 18 mediums before i went to a large but i'm going to try and go with 21 mediums before i go up to did were, were you tweaking on that level was it that precise or or was it a little bit uh, less precise than that a little bit less precise it was more keeping things equal um as i was training so if i was only wearing 80 shirts in a run I would only need to wear 15 of each layer as opposed to the race when I had to wear 24 of each layer. So I was trying to just keep it fairly equal between each size mm-hmm. um, d- during the training run. So yeah, not really, because I, I knew that by by the time the race day came, I was going to be wearing almost every shirt I had. Mm-hmm. So I had to kind of just kind of, like I said, keep it, keep it fairly equal and, and move up. Gotcha. And Obviously. then I know I, I noticed as you were taking off all of those shirts, you had your sponsor, um, Seven Summit Snacks, um, yeah. on on the outside <laughs> there. So that was your outer shirt, which is yeah. 
a massive shirt, obviously, like you said. Um, but then I noticed that you were pulling them off. A lot of the shirts were like the same shirt. You had this one shirt that was a green shirt with a, with a white logo on it that I felt yeah. like you took off like 15 of those in a row. Um, yeah. Like what shirt was that? Like, why did you have so many of that one particular shirt? That that particular shirt was actually um, the old logo of the shirt of a parent group that I'm a part of at my kid's school. Okay. And when we rebranded, I ended up taking ownership of the extra supply. Mm-hmm. I was and that and that was in the f- probably fall of 2021, and I was like, I'm gonna need these. I'm gonna take these in. <laughs> <laughs> but but the majority of the shirts that I had were actually um, from a good friend through triathlon at Multisport Canada, uh, Trevor Soul. He he's a race director, and I, I I reached out to him when I had the first attempt in 2022, and said, "Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Do you have any shirts laying around?" And he's like, "You have no idea how many shirts." I have <laughs> That's awesome. Please, please take them. And he just brought me like this huge box of shirts. And they're, you know, they're from races from two, three, four years ago that he's just had sitting in storage that just hasn't gotten around to sending to a donation bin. Mm -hmm. So he donated a ton. I got a, I got a bunch more from him this year or for this year's event. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, without him, you know, I've got to go to a secondhand store and spend six or seven dollars for every shirt and all of a sudden it's seven hundred dollars just to have the clothing right so for for him to donate them to me to to use was was amazing and most of the shirts that he gave me were all technical shirts so they're a little bit stretchier a little bit lighter than than the cotton shirts uh which which does make a difference very good cool. so besides the challenge of figuring out how many size shirts you know up to 120 shirts what were other big challenges um that you faced either you know just in terms of before and after or the race itself i don't know i'm thinking like circulation did you get too hot just stuff like that was there any just the weight of the shirts like what did that feel like what did that look like for you yeah michelle you kind of hit them all there (laughs) (laughs) well we want all the details (laughs) yeah no of course so you know physically getting dressed for training I think the highest I was able to get myself dressed was about 90. And after that, I just didn't have the range of motion to pull a shirt over top of my head mm. by, by myself. So that's, you know, that's one, the range of motion is really, really limited. Um, it gets to a point where I can't reach my hands to my face. So okay. my, pacer, my pacers during the race were having to feed me and fuel me uh, by hand because I couldn't, get there mm-hmm. um the heat isn't so much of a problem you know it's it's the hypothermic half marathon for a reason mm-hmm. um i did some calculations for for your listeners so the 2022 race was about minus four fahrenheit oh my and, gosh and this year's race was about 23 fahrenheit mm-hmm. just right around 20 degrees fahrenheit this year's race mm-hmm. so it was definitely- Our listeners are probably good with 23, but I don't think many of us are okay with negative. <laughs> yeah, I probably I probably would have been okay somewhere, like ideally would have been around, you know, zero to five degrees F, mm-hmm. just because it gets really hot. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. 
no, I don't, I didn't, I didn't really notice that during the run. Um, but you know, you mentioned the weight, you mentioned circulation. Those were both huge, huge issues. Um, this year's, this year's race was 48 and a half pounds, um, post race. Mm-hmm. And, wow. and I, the majority of that, like there's so much weight on my neck and my shoulders that my running form is, is just shot. I'm, right. I'm hunched forward, leaning forward. So during the event and then in a couple, for a couple of days after the event, like my back and my shoulders and my, my neck are just just trashed mm-hmm. just from the weight and the poor posture mm-hmm. um circulation was a problem in the 2022 race last year uh, about two kilometers into the race i started losing some sensation in one of my hands um, just from the layers cutting off circulation um, and my team that i had with me we tried they tried to reach up into the sleeves and kind of pull down some of the layers so that they would stop bunching but there's a hundred layers of shirts that they're trying to fight through and find the few that are causing the problem Mm -hmm. so we would stop every probably every mile and a half on on the first half of that race to try and do that before i was like this is this is silly like this isn't worth having something you know long-term affect me so at the halfway sure. mark of this last year, we ended up taking off 10 layers of shirt. Um, and that eased, that that was enough to ease the, the circulation problems. This year, um, obviously with a lot more layers, we took a little bit more care to try and keep everything flat when we were putting it on. But almost immediately at the start of the race, I was having the same problems. And it was it was getting worse and it was happening faster than it did last year. And one of my, one of my pacers this year was like, well, let's try, let me, let me try massaging your hand, your, your arm. So we would, we would take a, when we would take a walk break, I'd put my hand up on her shoulder and she would massage my hand and massage my forearm and, you know, try and get into my lower bicep as much as she could just to kind of promote that blood flow going, going back down and slowly, slowly. Um, you know, my pinky started wiggling a little bit more and then my ring finger started wiggling a little bit more. Some of that sensation, that feeling slowly started coming back. So probably every mile and a half we were doing, we were, you know, stopping, you're taking a walk break and, and doing some of that massage just to, just to try and continue that blood flow. And that's, so there's no circulation issues. Very good. Very good. Um, and so we should mention, and this is something that that I didn't know until I read a follow up article after we had recorded last week, that there actually is a time limit for you. That yes. that according to the rules, you had to run under three hours in order to get credit for it. So you couldn't just take all day to finish, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, how much did that weigh on you, knowing that you had to kind of continually make forward progress? Um, it's in the back of my mind. Uh, I'm, I'm a numbers guy, so I'm kind of always watching where I'm at. I knew what pace I needed to hold, you know, worst case scenario. Um, I had a pretty good idea of where I wanted to be for the first half of the race. And I was, I I wanted to be about 115, an hour and 15 minutes for the first half. And I think we were about 118. So we were, we were pretty close, but that also gave us some, some buffer for the second half. 
in case we needed to worry about anything. Um, one of the things that saved us this year is that we never stopped mm-hmm. and tried to fix the problems. We were constantly walking and moving while trying to fix the circulation problems, while we were fueling, while we were hydrating. So that saved a lot of time um, for this year's for this year's challenge. As the as the weather warmed up for this year's race, um, the snow on the ground started getting really slushy and really sandy, which made things a little bit more difficult uh, in terms of traction and running. Mm-hmm. So that was that was a little bit challenging, but. Yeah, once once we got into the, you know, the last three or four miles, you know, it went from having to run an eight minute kilometer. Okay, now I have to run a 10 minute kilometer. Okay, now I have to run an 11 minute kilometer. And as, as we got closer to the finish line, it was like, okay, this isn't going to be a problem. Like something mm-hmm. catastrophic has to happen for this to yeah. not, for this to not happen. And we were still like, we were 17, 18 minutes away from the, from the deadline. So more than enough time. Um, and, and based on last year's, I think it was about five minutes slower than last year's results. So I kind of had an idea of where we could be in terms of time. So that's, you know, that's one of the nice things about this record is that the time is a factor, but at three hours, it shouldn't be a factor for me. What about chafing? And cause I'm thinking about like the fact that none of that sweat that you're clearly generating is getting out right? None of it is able to evaporate. And so it feels like the the layers that are closest to your body would get like super wet. Um, was that was that the case? And did that cause any sort of chafing? Or was it just kind of flat uncomfortable? <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't really notice it that that much. Um, a lot of people ask me about chafing, because you know, that's what runners do. And that's what runners talk about. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I didn't have any any issues on my body. Um, the the sweat penetrated about 15 layers. So that mm-hmm. kind of imagines how, how warm it was. Um, my neck was pretty red um, just on both sides of my neck, just because there's so much, so much pile, pile up and build up around my neck. Um, but that was, that was really the only place that I had any chafing problems. And I had put on some body glide or whatever I had laying around um, on my neck to try and solve some of those problems. But I guess it just wasn't high enough. Mm-hmm. So what does laundry look like for you? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> like, are you washing all the shirts that get sweaty as you go on these training runs? I mean, I cannot imagine. That, that's a good really- question. If only the first 15 layers get 15, sweaty, did you right. ever even bother to, to wash those outer layers? Yeah. Like, no, what didn't. does laundry day look like for you? Laundry <laughs> is not bad because it's, yeah, it's those, those 15, those 15, 20 layers that are getting wet and smelly and gross um a couple so, times a week so so the rest of them just kind of come off and go in a basket and then the, the bottom doesn't or whatever go in the washer yeah basically yeah because there's it's it's not penetrating too deep like that far out so i don't need to i don't need to spend you know three days washing 80 shirts mm-hmm. or 100 shirts yeah i'm i'm jealous that you think that's not that bad because i only typically wear one shirt five or six days a week and I can't keep up with my running clothes laundry. <laughs> I mean, but, but that's, that's part of what, I mean, that's part of what you had to consider, I guess, as you were taking on this record, you had to consider, okay, how is this going to change my life and training? Well, it's going to mean I have to fold 60 extra shirts every week. I mean, that would be, you know, that yeah, would be difficult I mean, for me. <laughs> during, during training, what I would do is I would actually pull 
pull the shirts off in groups of like 15 and then just put them on a hanger mm. so that I wasn't, That's smart. I wasn't pulling them off one by one each time I would, you know, like I said, pull them off like 15 at a time, put them on a hanger. And then when I was going to get dressed for the next run, I would just grab that group of 15 and just throw it on all at once. Mm. Very good. Um, so after the first time that you didn't get the record, like why go for this same record? Was it just because you, you know, were hell bent on getting the record back because somebody stole it from you in between the time you did it and it couldn't be ratified or you felt like, again, this was the most attainable or you had a system in place. Like, I can't imagine that there was it's not so fun some of this <laughs> I'm hearing. So like, why this? Why, why try for this one again? I, I wanted it. Like, I just, I had a goal in mind. Um, my, that's how I work when it comes to athletics. And I want that goal. And to go back out. Single-sided goal. Yeah. Yeah. To go back out and do it again is where I was at. Um, you know, when, when I ran the race in 2022, there was a lot of negativity going on in the world. And at home here in Alberta and a lot of COVID, anti-COVID protests and anti-vaccine protests and, you know, the, the Russia war Ukraine, sorry, the Russia Ukraine war had, you know, recently begun. And it was like, if I can do this small thing to make somebody smile or to make somebody happy, then I'm going to do that. And if, and if that's all it takes, that's what I'm going to do. And this year, this year, there was still that, that aspect to it. Um, but I wanted it. I just, you know, for a, for a piece of paper that says you're the best in the sure. world at this. Yeah. I, I, I wanted I, that. I, that totally speaks to me. But if somebody went out and did 125, do you think you would be inclined to do 130 and get the record back? Or do you feel like you've kind of done your piece with this and you've made peace with it and you're moving on to other athletic pursuits? I've, I feel like I've done my piece with it. Um, I was talking That's to my kids. Feeling. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking to my kids about this and I was like, records are meant to be broken. That's the, whole point. That's the whole point. That's the whole point of them. You know, I hope that, you know, now that I've been officially named the record holder, I hope somebody breaks it. And if it's next week or next year, it, it doesn't matter to me because right now in this moment, I can say that out of 8 billion people on the planet, I'm the best at this ridiculous, silly thing. <laughs> But that's but that's that's me. That's that's where I am, right? Take and, take it a step farther, David. Of the twenty billion people that have ever lived, you're the best <laughs> at this thing. Um, that's right. And so so there, there's there's certainly nobody that lived before now that was throwing down a half marathon with 120 shirts on. So there you go, uh, even better. But but yeah, like I said, like I was talking to my kids, and I was like, that's records are meant to be broken. They're there for people to go out and put time and effort in to achieve something in their mind that's amazing or important to them. You know, you look at any record in the world, that's people are trying to achieve just being better. And everybody has their own thing. You know, it might not be a Guinness record, you know, every, everybody's got their own thing that they're working towards and trying to achieve. And, you know, this is, this is just the one that I picked right now. Very cool. Well, so that, that the obvious next question then is is what's next for you? I mean, you mentioned that you're going to be doing the New York City Marathon uh, this fall, one way or another. 
um, yep. which I think is great. And and I did it in 2016. It, it's it's a fantastic race, and I know that you'll enjoy it. Um, any other uh, any other goals besides that, kind of on your radar right now? Um, I'm doing a backyard ultra in May, and hoping oh, to gosh. get. <laughs> Uh, hoping to get to 100 kilometers on that one. That'll be the first time I hit the century mark, uh, yeah. and then just see how that goes. So that's about 15, about 15 laps of the backyard ultra. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a 50k trail ultra in July. Uh, I'm gonna run my local, my local marathon in August here, and then New York in in November. So that's yeah. that's what the schedule looks like right now, and we'll see we'll see what else pops up. So what is a trail? Okay, I think a trail ultra is 4.167 miles. Is that right, George? A, ba- a backyard? Mm-hmm. The backyard, yeah. yeah. That's right. Yeah, the backyard ultra. Because if you run that distance in 24 hours, people think it's this random number. But really, if you get to 24 hours, you've run 100 miles. But what is what is the kilometer? What, what does that look like for... What does a backyard ultra look like in Canada? <laughs> it's the same. It's, it's the exact same thing. Instead of the 4.16 miles, it's... What's the conversion though? Uh, it's like six point eight kilometers, and okay. that gets you gets you your one hundred and sixty kilometers, which is your hundred miles. Hundred miles, got it. Cool. So I'd, be, I'd be surprised if I got there, um, just because I've never gone over eighty three before. But um, there's also yeah, some cool. comfort. There's also some comfort in running a backyard because you're never more than a mile and a half <laughs> or away from your aid station. Right. Sure. You know, you're, you're close. If something happens, you're close. You know, if the, if I go out and do an ultra in the mountains, I might be six or seven miles away from an aid station or from help if something happens. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit of a safety net thing for me um, Mm -hmm. to try and get to that hundred mark for the first time uh, in a comfortable space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. I think that's great. I think that's great. Um, Two more questions. One, you mentioned that you had to fuel during this and you had to have uh, your your friends helping you fuel because you literally couldn't reach up and touch your face. Um, but uh, but I know that your sponsor is is Seven Summit Snacks. Um, uh, were they on board with this? Were they did, did you tell them that? And did they did they uh, did you fuel with them throughout the course of the of the of the run? Yeah. Um, so I've been I've been an ambassador with them for the last two and a half years. They're a locally uh, owned and operated uh, female-run company uh, that is from Edmonton. They launched during the pandemic, which is never easy. Launching a new company is never easy, but let alone during a pandemic with a sports yeah. nutrition uh, bar that people want to taste and they can't give up samples. You know, it's really mm-hmm. difficult for them, but they've they've done amazing. Um, in the last couple of years to to get their product to market and get it out into people's hands. Um, yeah, so they were on board with me for the race last year and for the race this year. Um, my Pacers last year were both ambassadors for the company. My Pacers this year, one of them was actually one of the co-founders of the company. Cool. And, and the other was, was an ambassador of the company as well. So yeah, they were feeding me, feeding me chocolate the whole time. It's, yeah, the, the Sounds pretty good. I was gonna say that that makes it sound kind of lovely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the co-founder with me was an endurance athlete, and she was looking around for 
a different product than a gel mm -hmm. to, to fuel. And her sister worked in the chocolate industry and said, can I eat chocolate when I'm training? And she's like, and her sister was like, yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah, you can. And that's, you know, that's the, the origins of their company. And, you know, a few years later, you know, Seven Summit Snacks was born. Mm -hmm. Their The eventual goal is to have um, seven different bars in their product line. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them, and each each bar representing the highest peak on each continent. Okay, cool. Quite so cool. they've got three three bars out right now. Um, for for ever, they've got their Everest bar, their Aconcagua bar, and their Denali bar, um, and they're all kind of using flavors of the region. So That's like nice. the the Denali bar is it's a milk chocolate with peanut butter and dried blueberries. So that you, sounds really good. It's, <laughs> it's so good. Um, yeah. Their Everest bar has got goji berries, Himalayan salts, dark chocolate, and their Aconcagua bar is a, a golden berry in a dark chocolate. So it's it's something totally different. It's, it comes in bar form, but if it gets it gets warm enough, they start melting, and then you're just you've just got melted chocolate that you're that you're downing in the middle of a race, <laughs> and you don't, you don't have to worry about feeling guilty about it. And it's yeah. <laughs> It's it's been really great. Um, they've been really great support for me and my events. And you know, if a twenty dollar t shirt can help them get some more people coming to their site or get some more advertising for them, then you know, I'm I'm more than happy to do that for them. It's it's been a really good partnership the last couple of years. Awesome. And and now they get to brag that that they have a Guinness World Record holder as one of their ambassadors. That they help fuel a a Guinness World Record, which is something that. A lot of brands don't actually get to say, so that's pretty cool. Right. Yeah, and then the exposure last year was was really overwhelming for me, and and I joked with um, one of the founders, Kristen, that you know ad executives pay tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands mm -hmm. of dollars on ad campaigns. Yeah, we, totally. We spent twenty dollars on a T-shirt, and and again, <laughs> and we're getting just as much exposure, if not more. Right on. So, probably more. Probably, awesome. Exactly. So it's. Yeah, it's a great way to get the brand out there and you know just to do something fun it's I, I love working with them they're they're really great awesome awesome they do ship to the u.s oh, good to know all right good good um no i'm gonna well I, I think i think both michelle and i are sold when you said uh uh dark chocolate peanut butter and blueberry so so <laughs> michelle's probably already googling their site right now as a matter of fact <laughs> uh very good all right so last question i wanted to ask you um uh, would be what is your favorite workout? Because oftentimes when we have athletes come on, we, we ask them what their favorite workout is. And and so what is yours? Um, it sounds like I imagine you still do some cross training. Um, and so it could be a workout on the bike. It could be a workout on the run. Uh, it could be a, a shirt specific workout by all means. Tell us what's your favorite workout, David? I, I'm, I'm the, I, I've got a running coach certification and I feel like coaches are the worst athletes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really follow. I don't really Would follow. Would you like to come back again? <laughs> so there's a, there's a running joke on the podcast, David, that, that George the coach and George the athlete are two very different people. <laughs> yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, yeah. You know, what I've learned in the last couple of years is that I just want to go run and have fun with good people. And whether we're running at a 10 minute per mile pace or a seven minute per mile pace or a 15 minute per mile pace, if you're with good people, it doesn't really matter because you're just out enjoying yourself. 
And I'd rather go out and do that than hammer 20 sets of stairs mm-hmm. or, you know, 10 times 400 at 5k pace. It was, I, I did a lot of that kind of workout, a lot of those workouts when I was training for Boston and it was, it was hard and it was lonely because mm-hmm. I was running at, at, a, at a really fast pace and there weren't a lot of people in my circle that were running with me. So it was a lot of lonely, a lot of lonely time on the road. So I've just really enjoyed connecting with my run family here and just going out and doing, doing birthday runs or doing different trips to the mountains and, you know, summiting a mountain or circumventing a mountain, you know, whatever that looks like. Like those have been some of the best runs that I've had in the last 10 years are, are those mountain adventures um, and those birthday runs with some of the people that are closest to me. I love that. Fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Very good. I was a little worried you were going to say you had a favorite swimming workout and <laughs> so any no. anything besides that I can handle. <laughs> yeah. I miss swimming for my triathlon days so much that I try to get in the pool once a week. Said like, no one no. said no one ever. <laughs> I, I swim once a year. I one of my good friends uh, who actually oh, works gosh. with Smith's. Um, he he runs a swim run event in mm-hmm. in the city. Mm-hmm. And it's trail running and it's swimming in our river. Mm-hmm. And it's, that's the old, that's the only time I've done that race the last two years. And that's the only two swims that I've done in the last two years is four, <laughs> four days. So that's, Perfect. that's what I swim, swim at his event. That's all you and need. I, and I don't do it well. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Very good. Yeah. Well, David Elliott, Guinness record holder for completing a half marathon with the most shirts. We appreciate you coming on to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome. Thanks again for joining us for another episode of the Most Pleasant Exhaustion podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasant podcast, on Twitter at pleasant podcast, on Instagram at Most Pleasant Exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Be sure to share us with your friends. We're brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com. Their Twitter is at itlcoaching, and their Facebook group is facebook.com slash itlcoachingandperformance. You can find them on Instagram at itlcoaching. We're also proud to be sponsored by Elemental Altitude, Atlanta's best and only altitude training facility. You can find them at ElementalAltitude.com, on Instagram at ElementalAltitude, or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash ElementalAltitude. Blue Pineapple Travel can be found at BluePineappleTravel.com, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash BluePineappleTravel, or on Instagram at BluePineappleTravel. And finally, High Echelon. You can find High Echelon at HighEchelonCPA.com. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. We'll see you next time.